Hi, I'm Emily Bellet, the founder of Vespot.com, a thriving community that financially empowers women and author of the Amazon bestseller, You're Not Broke, You're Pre-Rich. And this is The Wallet. The Wallet is here to help you make better financial decisions by talking honestly about money. I'll be sharing my best tips, inspiring you to take charge of your financial futures and talking to an array of awesome guests from all walks of life, employees, freelancers, entrepreneurs, and money experts. Do you dream of being your own boss, setting your own schedule? Or would you love to be a freelancer working from your laptop in a cafe or traveling the world as you work? It might just feel like a nice dream on a bad day, but what's actually stopping you from building a career that supports the lifestyle you want? Do you tell yourself you don't have enough time or money to start a business? Or do you actually worry what other people might think? Could a fear of failure be keeping you in your salary job? We can all justify to ourselves why we simply can't do something. But how do we move past the limiting belief of what's possible or stop procrastinating and start building a mindset that sets us up for success? My guest today is Lauren Arms. She's a CEO, entrepreneur and business coach. And she's helping super cool experts in the wellness industry to make their mark, dream big and create a mindset ready for success and abundance. Lauren shares how she crushed her own stories of self-doubt and how she continues to practice a positive money mindset while building a business that supports her life goals. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hi, Lauren. How are you today? I'm really good. Thank you, Emily. How are you? Yeah, really well. Where are you at the moment? I am just south of London in very green Surrey. Um, it's a little cloudy here today, but it looks like the weather's going to start improving. <laughs> good. Fing fingers crossed. And, and how, was, um, how was lockdown for you and, uh, and for your business? It was an interesting time. I was really, really fortunate that I managed to squeeze in a wedding in Italy before coronavirus really shut down uh, that whole country. And um, my husband, Jamie, and I managed to get to Australia to see my family earlier in the year. And then we arrived back two weeks before lockdown. So I sort of felt like I got like my 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 important things done and then we went into this really focused period of figuring out okay the world is changing what do we need to do to respond quickly and uh we sort of went into our little hermit hole and in lockdown and just kind of focused on the business and and staying as positive as possible so I'm generally a pretty optimistic person and so you know, I'm thankful that health-wise we we managed to steer clear of COVID and, and our families did as well. And so we just have focused during lockdown on being available to new opportunities and being available to the good things that can come out of this time. Yeah, fantastic. I love the, you know, positive vibes. I think that's that's what we need at the moment. Can, can you tell for, for, I mean, you spoke at a Vespod event, so you know some of our followers uh, and they know you, but can you tell us a little bit more about what you do with, with Well2Do and maybe your background, how you came into doing, you know, coaching and coaching these like super cool wellness uh, experts? <laughs> Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. Well, I am Australian and I moved to the UK seven years ago. Um, around that time, I was working in a corporate job. I studied business, international business and marketing. And so my 
my corporate career up until that point had been very much, you know, business development and marketing for big corporates. And I moved to the UK thinking, you know, I'm going to continue to climb the corporate ladder and, you know, make it my mission to be successful within an organization and climb my way to the top. And I very quickly realized that London is a place of opportunity, but it's also a city full of very talented, very qualified, very educated people. And I suddenly felt like a tiny little fish in a big ocean of of bright people. And so I guess it was an interesting time for me then kind of starting to think about, you know, is this what I really want? I looked at my director and I sort of thought, you know, is that where I want to be in 10, 15 years time? And I felt this really kind of in the pit of my stomach, I felt this real sense of lack of fulfillment in my in my job. I felt like I was biding time to get where I really wanted to go. And around the same time, one of the incredible things about being in a city like London is you meet so many incredibly inspiring people. And I was going out, meeting people, connecting, kind of building my my tribe and my friendship group. And I started to meet um, some entrepreneurs and and sort of get a feel for what it might look like to start a business. And so I, uh, on the side of my full-time job, having spent a lot of time thinking about my passion and what I was really interested in, started to think about the wellness industry and what a business, starting a business in the wellness industry might look like for me. And, uh, and because I didn't really have a big business idea in my mind, I didn't have that one idea that, that I, I knew I wanted to create. I started blogging and I set up well to do as a, as a WordPress blog. I'd never done that, anything like that before. I remember I created a logo in Microsoft paint and, you know, it definitely wasn't perfect, but I, but I started and I, and I thought I'll write about the wellness industry so that it gives me a an outlet to get clarity on what I want to create and what the real problems are for people. And before long, I I suppose I realized that I wasn't the only one thinking about this exciting new wellness industry and, and the trends that were really coming to London from the US. And, you know, we were seeing boutique fitness studios open, healthy cafes and so on. And, um, and so about eight months into just treating this as a side hustle, kind of a, a fun project, I started to think about how to turn it into an actual business. And so it's really evolved over the last five years since we, we went, since I sort of went full throttle with it and quit my job and really went for it. It started as a, a media platform, so publishing content, and it grew into an events business through our events, we really started to discover what the pain points were for businesses in the wellness industry, and that evolved into a consultancy business. And now well to do is, as a, a group of companies, is includes a recruitment business, Well-To-Do Search. It includes a jobs board, Well-To-Do Careers. It includes our kind of main consultancy and events and content business. And on the side of all of that, I started to feel really drawn to working one-to-one with business owners in this space. And that's sort of where my business coaching evolved was this real passion point for me, which is connecting one-to-one to to an individual business founder and really supporting them on that journey of growing and specifically in the wellness industry. So that's the, the slightly longer answer, but probably the short version in terms of how it's actually evolved over the years. 
I, I love, I can really relate to the, to the early days of well-to-do because I guess with Vespot, it was a bit the same, like, you know, trying to design my own logo, find a name, build a website. So it's, 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 I mean, all the entrepreneurs will have really cool stories like that. And, and you've coached some really impressive clients. I mean, Hazel, uh, Wallace, Dr. Hazel Wallace, there's Adrian Herbert, so some, some big names. Are you really passionate about wellness? That was maybe the, the starting point. And how did you meet these, these entrepreneurs? At which stage do you start working with them? And what, what are the pillars of like your coaching methods and, and how do you, how, do, what do you give them basically? Yeah, sure. So over time, my coaching business has really become quite specific with a, with a niche that I, that really lights me up. And that is working with, working with experts and coaches in the wellness industry. So um, somebody like, you know, Hazel Wallace, who is a doctor and an expert in nutrition. Um, she's highly qualified, is building a really strong personal brand. Adrienne is a wellness coach. You know, a lot of my clients are in some way qualified to offer a wellness focused service. So it might be hypnotherapy, therapy, counseling, coaching, you know, anything through to fitness and nutrition coaching and so on. That's evolved over time because I, I really love that business model of having a, an expertise in something that you can take to the masses, whether that starts as a one-to-one -one service or evolves into a one-to-many business, which I encourage my clients to build where, you know, you either build your expertise into a course or a program or, um, you know, like this, a podcast where you can really reach people on a mass scale. I guess in terms of kind of how I built that reputation and my personal brand over time to attract clients like that, you know, like anything, it takes time and commitment. But I think that what I've spent the last five years really doing is positioning myself as an expert in the wellness industry. So for every event that we've hosted, and I know you, you host events as well, and there's so much work that goes into a single event, but we've probably hosted, you know, 60 to, to 80 events over the last five years. And And by doing that consistently, you develop this reputation and the guests that you bring into your events, their credibility sort of rubs off on you in a way. And And, you know, we've also published thousands of articles on our, on our website about trends and insights into wellness. And so my ambition with all of those things was, you know, that when, when somebody thinks about building a business in wellness, I want them to think of well to do. I want there to be that instant association. And I suppose for me as the founder, having more recently started to actually kind of step out from behind that brand and build my personal brand. I guess by association, I also want them to think of me. And so having that really focused niche of the type of client I work with and, and, and helping them to scale up a business that is more systemized, that um, has a really strong success mindset behind it. Um, and that also, you know, for me is really aligned with my personal passion and expertise has helped me to develop a, a business, a coaching business where most of the time my clients come through referral because there is that association with me having coached some of the leading experts in the wellness space. And I also just really love working in this space. I love working with particularly women who are building an expert brand in wellness, have 
a load of passion and want to to turn that into a really profitable business. And so it doesn't feel like a chore for me to connect with those people. I love speaking to them. They're they're my friends. You know, I have a lot of in common with those people, we share a, a shared passion for well-being, and so that makes it quite easy to show up consistently and stay really motivated and focused. and And over time, through that consistent showing up, I think you build a reputation that people uh, admire or are sort of drawn to in a way. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you, and you've built a, a fantastic community with you know some of the big names, and we see all of them on Instagram doing uh, amazing things, and and. We also mm. want to follow this movement because we talk about wellness. Today, we'll talk about coaching and, and you briefly talked about success mindset. I love the term. And, and also, we'll talk about how can we apply that to, to our own finances. So maybe today you can tell me a little, little bit more about, you know, building a business. Is it for, for everyone? There's, you know, a lot of our listeners who may be working for, for corporate, but are thinking, you know, may, should I start? Uh, do I have enough money? How can you make sure um, when you start, you, you know, you will find success and you can define success the, the way you want. Uh, but how do you, do you help your, your clients, you know, taking the, these first steps if, you know, they're an expert in, in their field? Yeah, so many good questions in there. Um, so, yeah, I think if you're listening to this and you there's a little little voice inside you that says, you know, maybe I could start a business. What would that look like for me? It's so important to follow that curiosity. And for the early days, for me, it was about reading books, reading articles. You know, I remember one particular article I read about the founder of Rafa, which is a cycling brand, and they were doing really well. And I, and it was this piece that really dug into the psychology of the risks that he took starting his business. He put everything on the line. And I was so drawn to that. And there's a part of my personality that loves the risk-taking element, the really stretching yourself, this idea of building a business being a personal development journey. And so, you know, the question is, is it for everybody is a difficult one for to answer. But I think when you start to read about entrepreneurship, you get a sense of whether that's for you or not, just through those stories, listening to podcasts, you know, hearing um, founder stories and and understanding whether the, the fear of kind of taking a risk and doing something new is something that will be prohibitive for you and actually, you know, not light you up or actually whether stepping into that fear with curiosity and a bit of excitement in your, in your heart that, that, that's something you're being drawn to and that you can take steps as quickly or as slowly as you need to when you're starting out. I think like to caveat the answer to this question, we live in such a privileged country here in the UK where we can start a business. It's really easy. You know, you kind of register on company's house and you're it's 15 pounds and you're away. You know, you can go and set up a Squarespace website for for free. You can get started with a, you know, with a with an idea quite quickly. So we're privileged enough that we can start a business. Is it right for everyone? Possibly not. But if you're, you know, if you're thinking about it, if you're drawn to it, then starting to understand the, the, what the journey looks like through learning from others who are going on that journey uh, is a really cr a critical part of it to decide whether to, you know, that you're going to be the person who takes that leap. I think, um, you know, there are definitely 
big, big challenges with being an entrepreneur. You're always responsible for what's going on in the business. You're always thinking about it. You know, like even when you're on holiday, it's kind of in the back of your mind. But the upside is that you have this exponential earning capacity. You have the potential to 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 grow beyond what the confines of a secure, in inverted commas, um, corporate job or career can ever give you. And I think the final piece of that for me is that, you know, it gives you the opportunity for a whole lot of personal growth. And I always refer to entrepreneurship as a personal growth journey because it will challenge your mindset and your your the stories that you have around what is possible for you. And so I work really closely with clients on that. You know, where are you getting in your own way? Where is this story that, you know, entrepreneurship is is not for you or that you can't have what you want or that you can't be successful. Where is that coming from? And how can we can we kind of flip that on its head? Yeah, no, of course. And and that's something I see frequently and I, I see it for myself and I'm working on it. But I think initially when you start a business, you have this fear of failure, obviously, but also sometimes this fear of success. Uh, the, the mistakes we tend to make is, you know, dreaming too small, is procrastinating, talking to yourself in a way that's not that's not healthy so what are these like initial steps um what are the first things you do with with your clients i imagine there's a lot around around mindset before you actually you know put in place some very practical ways of you know making money and making this a success yeah absolutely so i i often say you know nobody was born an entrepreneur it's a learned art the the art of building a business is you know it's an art and it's a science there are tactical things that you need to understand, strategies that you need to have for growing. And every business is going to be different in that respect. So the reason that I have niched myself in coaching experts and 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 other coaches is that there's a specific business model that we can really kind of sink our teeth into and become almost expert in, in the business model elements as well. But to answer your question, where do we start? I mean, we start with your story around what's available to you, what what the possibilities are for you. And I think that's a critical reason why people invest in a coach is because sometimes we can't see what our own potential is. And that might be just because we don't know the business model that's available to us or because nobody has ever said to us, this is possible for you. And I know that that was true for me when I was first starting out. I had all these limits on, you know, my ability to grow. I mean, I called my business Well To Do London because I never in my wildest dreams imagined that it would be a global business. (laughs) So from the very outset, I was capping the potential because that felt like a big dream to me. And it was only when I started to work with a coach and be challenged by having a network of other high achieving entrepreneurs around me that I started to see the potential. So the first thing that I do with a client is kind of unpack their vision and ask them, you know, what kind of life do you want to live and what kind of business do you want to to run? You know, we'll probably talk a little bit more about this, but it's so important to ask yourself, you know, how your business would will operate in the context of the life that you want to live. Because if you're someone who loves traveling and loves being in different places in the world at different times of the year, then having a bricks and mortar business is probably not going to work that well for you. It's probably not going to give you that, uh, you know, sense of of achieving your life's goals as well as your business goals. And so it's asking those probing questions first around, you know, what is your vision for success? What do you really want from your business 
from in the context of your life and then getting into the the guts of kind of okay let's build a business model that works for that that helps you get to your end goal and that will allow you to to learn and to grow through the process and then obviously there are so many pieces of building a business you know understanding who your target audience are understanding how you're going to reach them understanding how to price yourself and even in that, there is so much a, of a story and a, a belief system around how much we are allowed to charge when we specifically offer a, a service-based um, proposition. So there's a lot of unpacking around that sort of vision at, at the beginning. And then the way that I coach is is very much kind of session to session, setting goals, um, reflecting on how how you've gone about achieving those goals if you didn't what kind of got in the way was it tactical or was it something more mindset related and so it's a constant juggling act of having the right strategies and the right tools and also having the right mindset and the right beliefs in place to support you to get where you want to go yeah i love that and and that's that's something you you spoke about actually we were in in a panel discussion together a few years ago and you talked about when you build uh, well to do that you know work life balance if that exists or maybe the, the term is not the right one but actually achieving your personal goals with achieving your your business goals and i remember that for you it was important to be able to work remotely sometimes because you also have some family in australia so how did you i mean just for if you can just give us your example of how you built in this you know personal goals with business goals and financial goals maybe yeah for sure so Um, one of the exercises that a coach that I worked with early on got me to do was to kind of reverse engineer my business from the perspective of how much money I needed to live the the life that I want. And I know Tim Ferriss kind of does this in the four hour work week. He challenges that notion that we should just work to build a business that makes lots of money when actually maybe you don't need that amount of money to live the life that you want to live and so I remember sort of sitting down with a a piece of paper and sort of mapping out like okay if I could live my dream life and spend three months of the year in Australia over UK winter so that I could escape the winter and uh, and then kind of come back for British summer then what would my business look like And so it was really important for us to have a a strong online component to the business. And that's why, for example, from the outset, I've always worked with clients via Zoom. I've always had that boundary of even though we're both in London, we're going to have our sessions online. That's how I deliver it, because if I'm not in London, then we can continue. And that's the that's the, the, the business process that I work to. And so the same with with, you know, everything else that we offer in our business it's completely virtual and so when COVID hit our team were already used to working remotely we did have an office in London but they were able to continue working because one of my initial goals was that our team would be flexible enough to to do that so even to the point of kind of hiring people who had a sense of wanting to work remotely as well and being able to be flexible with where they they base themselves is a very different approach than saying okay we're going to build a business where we have an office in London we all go into the office every day you know so these are I guess some of the decisions that I've made along the way that support my life goal of being able to have flexibility and you know one of the big things to me as a woman in business is that 
I got married last year. I'd like to have some children. That's our plan. And if we're lucky enough to to see that plan through, then I want to be able to balance working from home and looking after kids and being available and being around. So that's always been in my mind's eye right from the beginning. And the, you know, the decision for us to pivot our live events into a digital space during COVID has actually reinforced my desire to be more and more in this digital space. We're so lucky to live in a world where we're so connected. And, you know, there are 7 billion people in the world or or slightly more and half of or or more than half of them are online. So there's a like 4.8 billion people that we can reach. And So yeah, building a business that allows me to scale up and reach people through digital products and offerings has been really critical for me to achieve that sense of confidence that I can be in Australia, I can be in the UK, or I can be anywhere else in the world as long as there's a good internet connection (laughs) and be able to sustain and grow our business from there. Yeah, no, it's fantastic to hear. And and for me, it's the same. I have, you know, three young children, so trying to see them as much as I can. I used to run a lot of events. Obviously, I don't with, with COVID. So it's how do we reinvent our, our businesses and, and make sure um, it actually works for us and for and, and you know, to, to make enough money to, to live on. Uh, and more than that, so dreaming dreaming a bit bigger. And that's also what I love about your, your mission. So now if we, if we talk about money, I mean, money is obviously essential. And, and you know, women who build businesses need to make money they need to make more money because in the end you know money is power that will help them in a lot of ways to invest in you know their families their communities for for themselves in their businesses mm-hmm. but how essential is the money conversation when you work with clients how central is it to for you for, for you know your life for your business um and and is it easy for you to to just talk about money i mean did you always have like a you seem to have a good relationship about money. Can you work on it? How can our listeners start thinking uh, slightly more positively about money? <laughs> so many good, juicy questions in there. Sorry, um, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So for me, about five years ago, I enrolled in this coaching course and I thought it was going to help me to get better strategies in place. And I'm very like type A uh, achiever personality. I think very logically. And um, the first three weeks of this particular program that I signed up to were about money mindset. And I don't think I'd ever really heard about money mindset. Like, to be honest, I think one of my friends had recommended a book to me once called Love, uh, Money, A Love Story by Kate Northrup. And, um, and I kind of read a few pages and then I put it on the shelf. And, and so I'd never really thought about this idea of a relationship with money, like you said. And, uh, and yet when I started to dive into these modules of this course, I was blown away by how much it opened up in me and how resistant I had been to these conversations about money and really getting honest with myself. And, um, even this idea of, you know, being in a relationship with money was, was new to me. And so some of the things that it challenged me to do at that time where I was in the early stages of, of building my business was to ask myself questions like, you know, how often do I kind of interact with my money? And examples of that for me were like, how often am I checking my bank balances? How often am I kind of looking at my financial situation? How often am I talking about it? And 
you know, you start to really compare it to being in a relationship with a person. And let's face it, like if you want to build a relationship with someone, whether it's a friendship or a, or a more deeper um, relationship, then you've got to talk, you've got to interact, you've got to open up. And, and I hadn't been doing that with money. And so it challenged me to start to investigate that a little deeper. And, and it's the reason that I now do that with clients as well, um, that we talk about, you know, what were the relationships with money like when you were growing up in your household? What were the relationships like between money and work? And I remember, you know, my parents, they they kind of liked their jobs and they liked what they did, but I always had the sense that they sort of went to work just to earn money. And so when I compared that to to my blueprint around money, I had felt very comfortable earning a good salary in my corporate career. But suddenly when I started my business and started to do something that I loved and I felt deeply passionate about, there was this disconnect between being able to do that and make money. So I had this belief that you, you know, you can't do what you love and make money. Uh, And especially when it's in service to people, because there's something inside of us that says, do you know what? Like I do this for free. I love doing it so much. And then when we put a price on it, it almost feels like we're selling out in a way when you're a business owner and you have to suddenly sell yourself or sell your product or your service, it can be really scary because you're having to have these conversations about money with people. And, you know, even I remember the first few conversations with my accountant and just sort of opening up and putting all the money stuff on the table. It was scary. And when it came to selling my service to clients, it would make my heart race having to talk about the price and what I charge. And the thing that changed that was getting into a consistent relationship and conversation with money. So I would have an alarm that would go off every morning to just check my bank balance. And it didn't matter if it hadn't changed. It was more about just getting into conversation. So just making it a habit to check and see what's going on, what's going in, what's going out. And I challenge my clients to do the same thing. You know, like, are you looking at your accounts? Are you checking in to see that people have paid you? And when we do this, we, we build a foundation of just comfortability around learn, uh, around speaking about money. And now I also have friends who are business owners and, you know, we make an effort to, to share our financial wins re- with each other. And women, I guess, have kind of faced challenges in doing that um, in sort of years gone by. And I think it's something that's really shifting. Thank you to to incredible platforms like yours, Emily, like Vespod, you know, where you get a bunch of women in a room and you say, let's talk about it. And it's not because we don't want to talk about it that we haven't been. It's sometimes that we just haven't had the tools and the language and the motivation to to get into those conversations. And so that that course shifted a whole lot for me. And then I swear I probably read around about 15 books on money, money mindset, the types of books that titles would have made me cringe, you know, six or seven years ago, like, you know, Secrets of the Millionaire Mindset and Born Rich and all of these books that I'm sure you know and your listeners will know, they absolutely changed the game for me for sure yeah I've, I've obviously read this all these all these, all these books and and same <laughs> as you I mean I've you know I worked in in investment banking for for years so it was really you know getting my getting my salary not 
really putting a value on, on myself. And the, the early days with Vespod were really hard. S same as, as you, you know, I was, you know, trying to sell, uh, sell a service at the beginning. And I thought, you know, it's free, it's great. I'm empowering women. But at some point, you need to transform your, your big mission, your idea into, into a business, into something mm -hmm. tangible. And that's, that can be really, really hard because you, you need to dig deeper in your, yeah, in your relationship with, with money. One thing you said earlier is, you know, the, the difference between build a, building a business and, and working for a corporate um, on the financial side is that when you start making money for your business, that's exponential. And I think it's really important we, we talk about this because I think women have some sort of limit, limitating beliefs that they can't possibly earn more or maybe it's bad to earn more uh, or that they, they can't do it. So how can we encourage women to think about, you know, money is, is a bit more abundant and, and how can they make more from, from their businesses or their, you know, freelance or even negotiating a higher salary. So basically asking for more money without feeling bad. Mm. I think that the first point is really what I said before about getting into a relationship with money so that you're first and foremost really comfortable to talk about it. I've met friends and, and clients who don't even talk about money with their partner and that's like the closest person to you in your life. So, you know, starting with some of those baby steps of just getting comfortable with money. If you're listening to this podcast, you're obviously on that journey of kind of familiarizing yourself with it and not being afraid like anything that we are a beginner at to just be a beginner and kind of get it wrong. I remember like, for example, when I first started my business, I sat down with an accountant for the first time and I was like, in my mind, the story that was playing was you should already know and understand everything that's being talked about here. And I felt shame because I didn't, I didn't know what a P&L was. I didn't know what like financial forecasting was. I wasn't, you know, in my mind, good with numbers. And so it was kind of breaking that down and saying, okay, you know what? I'm a beginner at this. I'm going to be the one who puts my hand up and says, I'm sorry, I don't understand that jargon or that language. You know, can you please explain that to me? And so when you start to build that confidence to say, okay, this is where I'm at in my journey with money. I'm going to fully, fully embrace that. When it comes to building the confidence then to to ask for a pay rise, you know, start researching like what are, what are the types of questions I should be asking? How, you know, how can I get more confident to ask? How can I familiarize myself with what, you know, I should be earning in this scenario? And then you translate that into running a business. It's, yeah, finding groups or like-minded people who are happy to sit down with you and tell you what they charge for as an hourly rate or what, you know, what their pricing is when, or what their pricing was when they got started. So as a coach, you know, I'm very open. And I say, when I first started, I was charging 90 pounds an hour. And it's important for people to hear that because, you know, I don't want there to be a stigma around like prices and what we charge and, and how we charge between women. And when it comes to, you know, building an abundant relationship with money, abundance is a mindset that is that we that we adopt in in every area of our lives, whether that's money or friendships or love or or anything. And it's a it's a muscle that we we need to work out. It's like going to the gym. Like you don't go once and suddenly you're, you're fit and strong. Like you've got to go every day. You've got to get into those routines and habits. And for me, those, those little silly routines and habits were things like, 
you know, I've got this post-it note and it's still in one of my pantry cupboards and it says, there's always plenty more where that came from. And it's this reminder of not not seeing the world as finite, not seeing the number of opportunities that exist for you as finite, instead seeing the world as infinitely abundant. There is so much money in the world to be had, to be shared, to be accessed. If you're in business, there are so many clients for you to access. And and so it reminded me constantly, there is always plenty more where that came from. Even when I got a no, or even when I got rejected, it was this constant repetition in my mind and seeing that little post-it note in my cupboard, you know, that said, there's always plenty more where that came from. And that mental repetition, you know, having maybe an alarm that goes off on your phone that reminds you that there's always plenty more where that came from. Financial abundance is available to you. And they seem like silly little mantras, but they set the tone for the way that you see opportunities in life. It's sort of like, if I said to you, you know, look around and look for everything that's red right now within your peripheral vision, like you're going to see all the red things. And then if I said like now switch and look for the blue things, like your mind will immediately switch and you'll start seeing all the blue things. And it's the same with uh, adjusting your mindset around things in life. If you're always looking for that abundance and that plentitude of opportunity, then that's what you see. If you're always looking for the lack or the boundaries or the barriers, then that's what you'll see. And, And there's a choice in that. And as soon as you step into more of that abundance uh, and that abundant mindset and seeing life as an infinite game, you will see the rewards flow through. And it won't be instant, it won't be overnight, but it, it absolutely will happen. Thank you for such a positive uh, message. It's really motivating, actually. Can I ask you what are the, the most important things uh, you've learned over the past year, maybe, or, or, or six months? And what what are you still working on? What are your next like big challenges? Mm, such a good question. Um, I think one of the most important things over the last year, especially with COVID, is how important it is to make quick educated decisions and to learn through what happens after that. So we're so afraid of failure, aren't we? We're so afraid that we'll get knocked down and we'll try something and it won't work. And actually... What I've learned is that sometimes you have to make a quick decision, respond quickly and assume the upside rather than assuming the downside. So, you know, assuming that people are going to say yes to you rather than the fact that, you know, rather than assuming they'll say no to you. And so the most important thing is that I have made quick decisions to pivot during COVID. And even though there were moments when I wasn't sure what the implication would be of that, I've been willing to take that risk in order to learn through the outcome, whether that be it, you know, becomes a successful decision or it, it, it becomes a, an opportunity to learn and grow through, through a failure. Something that I was also reminded over the last year was that you can't just invest in yourself once when it comes to growth and coaching and mentoring. And I had a bit of a lull where I sort of forgot to keep doing that. Sometimes you kind of forget to to read the books to to invest in yourself. And so more recently, I, I made another investment in a coach myself and it just kind of kickstarted me again. It gave me that little push to see again, like what's possible for me. And so I am still you know, always still working on an attitude of, okay, I have to do everything on my own. I have to figure things out. And that somehow makes me more successful as an entrepreneur. And actually the smartest entrepreneurs seek out other experts and seek out help and get more mentoring and coaching along the way. And 
because the reality is you can learn on your own, you can do it on your own, but it's much faster and much more fun when you look for mentorship and learn from people who have done what you want to do and have gotten there before you and can help you get there faster. Thank you, Ryan. Super, super useful. And I agree with you. I've also started to work with, with coaching. I worked on like d different um different like on the on the brand i've worked on myself i've worked on the business and it really makes a difference especially if you're a solo founder or you know if you're you know you're the, the boss of your of your company so you can actually talk to someone and start yeah start working more on the on the strategy and 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 a bit less on the on the day-to-day -day. so that's mm -hmm. that's super important i have some quick fire questions for you so let's see if you can tell us first what are your top three financial goals uh so right now it would be to buy our second property buy a house that would be the first one the second would be to be financially in a position to not have to worry about money ever. <laughs> so setting myself up for future financial freedom. And the third would be probably around having the financial freedom in my business to have the help that I know that I need. So, you know, when it comes to kind of scaling and growing and outsourcing, there are definitely more team members that I'd love in our business. And so it's getting to a point financially in our business where we can hire those people. What's your best financial decision ever? Without a doubt, it would be investing in a coach. It changed the game for me, for sure. And then just every other investment in myself that's come after that, be that a coach or a course or, you know, I went to Tony Robbins Business Mastery last year, which was epic. So those are those, all of those decisions have been the best decisions I've made. Great. Big fan of Tony Robbins also. <laughs> Worst financial decision ever. It's, it's probably, it was probably when I quit my job with no savings to start a business. <laughs> it was the worst financial decision, but personally it was a big, big growth opportunity for me. And it actually meant that I had to make it work. I didn't have a choice. <laughs> you talked about that a little bit, but what is financial independence for you in, in just a few words? It is being able to live wherever I want to live do whatever I want to do and help whoever I want to help are the three things. Love it. And the things you spend the most money on these days? Definitely. <laughs> uh, okay. So I'm not really someone who spends loads on like clothes or handbags or shoes or things like that. I probably, do you know what? I probably spend the most money on personal development. <laughs> That's good. It works. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's where I spend my most money. Thank you so much, Lauren. Do you have a, a few favorite resources you would recommend, uh, especially for women who want to achieve more at work or want to uh, want to earn more? You mentioned a few a few books earlier, but maybe um, a podcast, a website, or some you know some stuff you've been you've been reading or, or watching. Yeah, for sure. So I would absolutely recommend people to. Um, subscribe to the Vestpod newsletter. I read it religiously. I love it so much. In terms of books that I have loved reading along the way, again, they've all got super cringy titles if you feel cringy about money, but the first one is called How Rich People Think by Steve Seabold. It is such a great comparison between how most people think about money and how wealthy people think about money. And then a couple of others, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Ecker is an awesome one. 
I love The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles and I also love anything by Tony Robbins on Money So Unshakable. He's got some really sort of great books on kind of the strategies behind investing and then yeah, I think that would be it. There's an Australian uh, woman called Denise Duffield-Thomas who has a money boot camp that she runs, which is really good. And she also has a podcast. I think it's called Get Rich Lucky Bitch, which is an awesome title. And uh, and I really like her stuff as well. But they would be my top picks. Thank you so much. Yeah, I love what Denise is doing. She's she's really funny also. Um, yeah, I think it is. really works if you want to work on your money mindset. Lauren, thank you. It's been you know, amazing. A lot of things to, to, to think about, a lot of things to reflect on. Um, so, you know, hopefully we can all, you know, go back to work with this extra motivation of thinking, you know, we can actually make more money. But where can we actually find you if we want to follow your journey, if we want to work with you? Um, what's, what's best? Social media, websites? Yeah, of course. Let's keep it really easy. My Instagram is Lauren Arms. That's A-R-M-E-S. And my Instagram's got a link to my website, which is laurenarms.co. And there's all the info there about my um, coaching programs especially if you're building an expert brand uh, and also working with me one-to-one if you're a female entrepreneur in the wellness space. And just thank you so much, Emily, for having me on the podcast. I love what you do. I love your message and let's, yeah, let's help women make more money. Thank you so much, Lauren. Speak to you soon. Speak soon. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a couple of seconds to rate it on your favorite podcast platform. Also, don't forget to join our community on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe to our newsletter on vespot.com. Feel free to email me with your comments and questions over at emily at vespot.com. Thank you. Speak to you soon. I also wanted to let you know that we are not financial advisors. So the articles, the information made available on vespot.com and in this podcast are provided just for educational purposes and do not constitute financial advice. So make sure you consult with an independent financial advisor for advice on your specific circumstances. Thank you.